Thank you guys so much for listening to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. I'm your host, Anaya, a.k.a. Naya Afaya. And I'm Kaylin Sokal. A.k.a. Mini underscore Kyle, too. And we have... We have an OG in the building, a special, very special guest, Tony Cordasco, Rebel alumni, Las Vegas journal journalist for over. We're not going to just, let's, let's eons, just say eons. 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 Yeah. It's a pleasure to have AKA you. AKA Tony the OG. Tony the OG. AKA Tone Capone. They call me in the hood. Ooh, Tone Capone. <laughs> AKA Dasco. <laughs> AKA Dasco. AKA Dasco. Let's give him a round of applause, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. This is cool. Yeah, aka yeah. Dasco the genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Dasco sure. the man. We'll see. Well, let's assess after the hours. After. Hold on, Dask- Dasco from the sidelines. Ooh. <laughs> Go ahead and copyright from the seven hundred two. From the seven hundred two. Born and raised? No, barely. Uh, <laughs> no, not not even. So, uh, actually, from uh, from Newark, New Jersey, mm-hmm. from the streets of Newark, New Jersey, to Vegas. But this has been my home for decades now. It's hard to believe. Decades. But yeah, that's that's it. Me and Kaylin have only been around for two. That's good. Keep it going, man. Keep going. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, just yeah, just keep going, man. And I I've I've seen a ton of growth here already. What do you say? I've seen a ton of growth here already in the two yeah, years. The yeah, two by years. me. By me. Of me. Hello. Of Dasco by Dasco, you know? Trademarked. <laughs> We're giving you a whole bunch of uh, gyms here, Dasco. I hope by the time you leave, you go ahead and get you a list that you can get a trademark. All right, man, I'll work we, on it. Well, before we do. And you guys are cheese. awesome. That's great, man. Uh, we wanted to thank you so much for you it's even great to taking be here. the time out. To, oh, it's awesome. I, I couldn't miss this, man. This is fun. I met you like two years ago. A while ago now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's been really fast. But, I mean, you've always, ever since I met you, all love. Dabs. Dabs. Yeah. Um, just from hearing you in different workshops and mm-hmm. working with you on the sideline, the way you carry yourself, you have such a light energy and joy. And uh, I mean, you're, I think you're going to bring that to the mic. Yeah. No, you know what, guys? You have to be passionate about what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, you have to carry this pe- this passion and just this, this aura of, of like having fun. If you're not having fun, and so like I have uh, an event company too here, right? Oh, you talking about Dasco Events. Yeah, so what I do is like, that's great, good research. Uh, and so what I do though, when I hire people, even if they're independent contractors and such, I tell them like the most important thing is to have fun, right? Because if you're not having fun, and that's why I think people want to work for me again, and that's why people you know want to work with me, I just think, you know, even when we do broadcast, when we're on the air, when I'm doing play-by-play, when I'm, you know, hosting a show, if you're not having fun, it's really not worth it. And, like, that's what got me into radio, I guess, from the get-go because I really had – it was a lot of enjoyment, right? And it wasn't like it's work, but it's really not – it's challenging, but it's really not work. It's not work. It's just – it's something you're passionate about, something you really enjoy. And hopefully you can just can continue to work on your craft, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're here to do. I have a question for you. So, I mean, how long have you been a play-by-play broadcaster? Oh, that's a great question. So, uh, dating back to the early days, we call it the Stone Age around here. <laughs> uh, so, you know, go, going back a ways. Uh, so, when I was in college radio at KUNV, I was the first sports director of the college station. And as sports director, I had a lot of influence at our, uh, as to what programming was on the air. And so one of the things I did was I said, we're going to do a lot of sports. We're going to do a lot of live play-by-play. Oh, boy, did I – I didn't know what I was getting into, right? And I had never done play-by-play. I did it into a microphone. I'd go to high school basketball games. Back in New Jersey, I always knew – I turned the you – know, what I used to do was I'd turn the volume off on the TV – and I would call Yankee games, you know, yeah. at home. And I would do – that's how I kind of started off. Then I went to gyms and high school games, and I started to call games in high schools and into a tape recorder. And when I came here, though, to Vegas, what I didn't realize, the worst thing ever – and, Kaylin, I think I told you this story. I had the worst East Coast accent ever. So I, I sounded like New York. Well, sometimes it comes out, uh, particularly when I'm with people from the East Coast – but, like you know, me. like when I'm just chopping it up, as you guys might say, like with people, 
uh, I, it, it comes out sometimes. And I have to really concentrate. Uh, and so what I did, though, seriously, was I would sit like every night before I went to sleep for one hour. I would read a book into a tape recorder. Because I went to my first job interview at K News. It was an all news station. It was like 9:70 a.m. and I think they're out of existence today. And I said, I want to come on the air and I want to do news. I want to break in like I could do anything news. I want to do sports eventually, but I'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kid, you have this horrible accent. I brought like a demo tape and it was just it didn't sound bad to me. That's the craziest yeah. thing. I didn't know that I had I had no R's in my vocabulary. So every night before I went to sleep, what I did, serious i would read into a microphone a chapter or two of a book and then as i was going to sleep i would play it back well it was on cassette at the time right Mm -hmm. and as i was falling asleep i would play it back and listen to myself as i was going to sleep and then through repetitions uh got better went back like six eight months later they hired me to do news and then the rest was history but i I started to do play-by-play and i think during my days at unlv because we did high school sports we did UNLV. We had Lady Rebels. We did all the Lady Rebel games. Um, I did UNLV baseball. Uh, I must have broadcast over 200 games by the time I left UNLV to prepare me for the real world. And then I got a lot of other jobs. And then I went back to Jersey for a little bit, came back here. And I've been doing, you know, play-by-play and sports talk ever since. But it's been, you know, but it's, it's still like it doesn't feel like this journey's over. Like I have a long, long way to go because I still think you could always improve. I still believe, you know, I want to do more. Absolutely. I always have this craving to do more broadcasts. Like I would just, I would want to do everything, you know, but I have a ball doing it, but you have to have fun. That's what I was getting at. You have to have a good time and just, uh, you have to pay a lot of attention to what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, why do it? Why do it at all? Right. Exactly. And you have to do a lot of homework too. You know, people don't understand. You really have to work at the craft, and uh, you just have to do a ton of homework. So That's what I'm learning more, but I really can't see myself doing anything else. I don't see myself at a, a regular At a real job? job. A yeah. Real job. It and doesn't feel right. You know what's crazy, Anaya, is that once you get into radio, uh, or even if you do TV or something else, like, you know, where you're in the electronic media. So, like, I was in radio, and I left for a while, and I came back. Because it's always in my blood and I always want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, so for 15 years, I worked for Red Bull Energy Drink, right? And so for about... Yeah, so about uh, like 13 years um, of that time, I wasn't doing any broadcast. And so I said, I came back to UNLV and I go, I want to do games. I want to get back on the air. And they just looked at me kind of crazy. And at the same time, you know, I heard about live streams. Why don't we do live stream broadcast? And they were like, okay, we'll try to do something, got it. And now we do live stream broadcasts of basketball games. Then that's opened up doors to do other college basketball games and other events mm-hmm. and, you know, football and whatever. And I've traveled to do games, and it's a blast. Yeah, because I feel like this this career can take me so far. Like You can go, to, especially today. Yes. Especially in today's world with social media and the ability mm-hmm. to get yourself out there. And then look at the equipment. I mean, we used to have reel-to-reel tapes that you had to edit with a razor blade. I, yeah, I really I am confused about you guys. When during a workshop, you guys were explaining about how you guys had to cut tape, yeah. run over to the other side of the of the street, and use a telephone to get the signal. That that really made me very thankful for the equipment because I mean, me coming into this, this is what I have. Like, yeah. I might yeah. When I look at some of this, it's intimidating, you know, all the computers and such. Mm-hmm. But it also is. It makes me thankful too because I kind of understand what's going on there only because we used to have to take you know the two tin cans and the string so to speak uh and we had to tie them together and figure out how things were connected or how to get on the radio you know and how Mm -hmm. if you were doing a remote to go through a phone line so you kind of you gain more appreciation i think for where it's at today but oh it's amazing what the advances in electronic media today and shout out to um we are broadcasting on kumb day it's been 38 years since we started. Since yeah. we signed on the air. Yeah. Right here on this campus. Congrats. And yeah. you're one of the first people who I was like started. a founding father. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. It doesn't seem like that long ago. That's another lesson today. <laughs> just yeah. enjoy every single day because it goes by fast. It just goes by fast, guys. Yeah. And before you know it, your life will end. 
No. Well, I, uh, <laughs> thanks, dude. Well. Now I feel not only old. I said I'm getting older. I didn't say I'm like ready to die. No, no. Absolutely learner. not. A lifelong yeah. learner. That's what I got from this. And you're, it's never uh, time to stop learning. Oh, man. Just keep learning. It's so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. This week, actually, uh, along with K&V Day being today, the draft is also on Thursday as well. Dun, 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 and hosted in Nashville this year. Next yeah. year, it's in here Vegas, in Las Vegas, Vegas, you know, introducing the new Oakland Raiders, or the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, I should say. Mm-hmm. And... Um, let's dive a little into the draft and a little into the schedule, but the schedule was released uh, midweek last week. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do know that uh, they open the season two games at home um, against Denver and Kansas City, and then you know they have a couple game or about five games on the road per se. Because one game's in London, they they have a bye week. What do you guys make of that schedule? Well, September 29th is the first game against Denver. They're, the best game that they had last season was against the Denver, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I feel like Derek Carr working really good with Antonio Brown. Uh-huh. We're going to we're gonna see that chemistry start now. And, I mean, we've seen off the field that they've been bonding. Mm-hmm. That He said that uh, Antonio said he's the coolest guy on the planet. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's good chemistry. You need uh-huh. that. Uh, that. That dynamic between the two is going to be exposed. Yeah. And I'm ready for it. And it's just a precursor to what they're going to do at the Las Vegas Stadium. Oh, man. Are they ever? And, uh, yeah, that schedule's difficult because they are. They're gone from Oakland Coliseum for five weeks, and uh, they have a bye week in between there. But I think that the, NF- the NFL jobbed them. They really, really, like, hurt them because a couple things. Well, one, you know, maybe it's their last season in Oakland, and let's yeah. just send them around the world and whatever. Uh, number two, the NFL, by the end of January and into early February, what they wanted to do was they wanted to have a signed lease agreement for the Raiders to know where they would be playing the 2019 season. And that kind of dragged on and dragged on yes. and dragged on. Until now. And then, like, it literally, it was, like, what, into March, I think, before mm-hmm. they finally signed the lease agreement with Oakland. And by then, I think the uh, the NFL probably had it with them and said, hey, these are the scraps that are left. You know, yep. you guys took your time. But the one thing, so the Oakland uh, Coliseum deal, right, that's done. And then um, they play in London against the Bears, against Khalil Mack. That's going to be an exciting game, right? What a right? narrative. Woo, is that going to be crazy? But Not even in Oakland, too. Yeah, but you know what, though, guys? So when, when the Raiders move here, uh, hopefully they don't give a home game in England. They don't want, we don't want the, Ra- we want the Raiders to play all eight all games eight here. Here, here. Well, we don't need to go to Mexico City. We don't need to go to no. Saskatchewan or wherever in the world. <laughs> you don't need to go to the, yeah, the junkyard. <laughs> we don't need to go to London. We need to play all the games here, right? Yeah, yeah, and but one of the reasons why they do have to play in London is because, no, no, because it's an agreement in place with the NFL. If you relocate the season prior, you have to play a game in London, and they've announced it for I think like two or three years now that they've been moving to Las Vegas, so they have to have those games in London. Right. And at least it gives them a chance to build an overseas, international, you know, fan base because yeah. the fan base is like crazy enough. Yeah, it is the crazy. Don't mind. I'm pretty sure the players don't mind. But I like what you said. Like since them, like trying to figure out a home and where right. they're actually gonna play, they did probably get. They're probably the last schedule to be made. If you yeah. think about it. They well, Tampa, Tampa got jobbed as well because they have five straight weeks also. So that might have been like the last two teams that you know are kind of like companions. They kind of pair them up. Yeah. You know, like that. But well, they were both terrible this yeah. past year as well. Yeah. But but the Raiders have played in Mexico City in the past few years. Mm-hmm. They've played in London. Uh, they keep traveling them around the world. And, yeah, we don't want them to play a home game anywhere else but the new Las Vegas Stadium. Yeah. At least, like, give us, like, five years. At least before, for the first season. You know, you well, know? give us a few years, though, so yeah. that the fan base here starts to really get into that groove and, 
you know. And then, you know, the, the stadium has to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Because the taxpayers... Obviously. Yeah, the taxpayers yeah. paid money, right? So yeah. we have to see the dividends, and we're not going to do that if they're playing on the road. We need to return on our investment, right? Absolutely. We call uh, that the ROI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <In> the <laughs> 702. <laughs> Obviously, $750 million of public money. You're not going to play a game away. You're going to play all the games at home. Right. I mean, yeah. you have to give that stadium way deserves because it's going to be the best and newest stadium in the league right it's going to be gorgeous and you know you know what's crazy is so uh so I'm, i do a radio show too and it's called okay, saturday well. sports beat on cbs sports radio 11:40 a.m and uh on saturday mornings and i had the head guy from the nashville convention and visitors authority mm-hmm. you know the equivalent of our las vegas uh, convention of visitors authority here so mm-hmm. i just asked him you know i was asking him what goes into putting on a draft because hey as soon as this draft ends las vegas is on the clock and for, if, i mean the, yeah. everything's just going to fall into place imagine how exciting 2020 is going to be where all of a sudden we're going to be hosting the draft mm-hmm. here we're going to be having you know the stadium opens unlv plays its first game outside of sam boyd stadium you know as a home game i mean that's been there since I was in school way back when. I mean, to me, it is just such a an unbelievable and historical year, you know, ahead in 2020. But so much work goes into putting on the draft, and I think that's going to be the very first piece. And then the stadium's completed. Man, I, I get chills when I see it. But yeah. the NFL is far greater, I think, and I've seen just some little samples of this uh, with, like, um, I went to the groundbreaking, right, for the stadium went to the groundbreaking for the Henderson HQ yeah. facility. And everything that I see, and the Raiders do everything first class, yeah. but, man, this is a tidal wave that's about to hit this city. Man. Like like nobody's business. No, we think we are. We think we are. Yeah, but no. this is going to be no. bananas. The There's nothing level. like the NFL. Yes. Yeah, the absolute next level. Yeah, because, I mean, the NFL, come on, how can you not do that? That's like America's sport in this century. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to put everything first class. You have to do everything top of the line. And the Raiders are doing that here. And even adds to the craze of what Las Vegas already is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been here my whole life. Uh So I've been, I remember growing up and like people would ask me, do you live on the strip? Oh, stupid questions. Yeah. I'm tired of it, of the strip being our only identity. Right. So just with with 2016, when we got the aces and the Mm knights and the lights, like, that right there was huge. Yeah, that was now, a big step. And we would have been happy, right? Like back in the day, yeah. this would have been like, oh, okay, I guess we're a pro sports city. But nothing like the tidal wave of the Raiders. I never thought we'd have an NFL no. team here. And, and let alone it to be the Raiders. Like, right? I was so shocked. I like, remember when I went to the, it was a viewing party last season at downtown Las Vegas. When I seen that many people, I didn't, re- it was real to me, like, oh. Okay, like Jeez. we're out here. The Raiders are serious about it's that. It's serious. And like you said, they do everything upper echelon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, as you were saying earlier about the Raiders, and they're bringing all the fans together, bringing Las Vegas into more of a community because mm-hmm. they put so much effort into the local area as well that it brings Las Vegas together. It, it sort of was apart before because it's like Sin City, then you have the regular city. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they're bringing that helping to unify into one almost like Golden Knights did after mm-hmm. one October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of Raider ambassadors. Uh, one of my close friends, she is on the ambassador team for the Raiders hmm. and she goes had to and does the junior training camps and they're starting with the kids and and then that's really good with like the play sixty, getting them outside. Yes. When you see that when she tells me when they see that Raiders truck pull up, the Raiders are here. The yeah. Raiders are oh, here. It's, it's really big. It's really big. And uh, this last weekend, right on the air on my CBS show, uh, we had Leo Gray from uh, the Raiders Foundation. Yes. Yeah, we had him on earlier. Great, yeah, great guy. You. Yeah, I know, but he's been he's been a homie day one homie. Is that what they say? Yeah. So, but uh, so Leo was out giving a twenty five thousand dollar check to play sixty uh, for a new seven on seven passing league. You know that they were doing at Rancho High School. 300 kids show up. You go to high school football games on a Friday night, and they have a presence there. They have banners, right? And then Mm -hmm. they bring out the cheerleaders. They bring out a a Raider alum to sign autographs. They do, like, face painting and 
tattoos, you know, for the kids. And um, I'll tell you what, like they have done it absolutely the right way. They came into the market the right way. They've embraced this community the right way. And man, I am just, I'm over the moon ecstatic, you know, for having them here. And just imagine what they're going to do when the team is here because, you know, the players, the as I believe you brought the Play 60 and everyone, it's all going to, like, magnify because when the team comes here, everything is going to expand. More people are going to join. There's going to be more events. And they want the teams, one of the top teams in the NFL, to reach out into the local communities. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see it more. And you're going to see more um, industry not only sports industry, you're gonna get, you're gonna see more of like food and restaurants and oh, activities man. around. So just seeing the emblem around. Mm. Somebody moved in to my job. I work at a high rise. Somebody from the Raiders moved in this week. Mm-hmm. So people are already scoping yeah. out where they want to stay. Oh yeah, no, John John Gruden already has a, uh, a spot uh, in Southern Highlands. Are you allowed mm-hmm. to say that? Yeah, nobody knows um, yeah. the address. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's gated. It's a gated community. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, it yeah, it has to of be. course. And then uh, Colton Miller, I heard, is building a house here. So uh, the tackle, offensive tackle, mm-hmm. Colton Miller is already building a house here. So they're ready. I mean, they're here. Their mm-hmm. presence is here. And as soon as that last game is over in Oakland, We're it is going to get, it's going to be bananas. Like uh, You know, and this week, the Raiders have like a private party uh, for a lot of their alums. And some players might come into town, and they're doing, like, a private deal this week, you know, to watch the draft. Raider alums are out. I, I got um, I got a call today about Cliff Branch will be over at uh, Park MGM, and he'll sign autographs. You know, so they're all – their presence is here. Could you guys imagine – okay, I just get chills when I think of this. So they're trying to get the Super Bowl here in 2025. Woo! Yeah. Right? Chills, right? I That's mean, great. Yeah, right? 2025. <laughs> but all right, already, if you go to the Strip on Super Bowl Sunday, because I go to a lot of these parties and events on the Strip, and I'll tell you, it's packed as it is, right? Yeah. And we get about, now we get 330,000 or so people here. If there's a Super Bowl, you're not going to be able to find a hotel room. No. They say that it will be the first billion with a B billion dollar event that the city has ever hosted i mean it is just mad money and it's going to just bring so many more people so many more eyeballs and then outside of here right guys like las vegas just the brand las vegas is so powerful Mm -hmm. like anytime something that says las vegas is on tv you're looking it's insta ratings right Mm -hmm. like everything everything about the city is on fire, but you put an NFL franchise here, you put the Raiders as an international brand here. Yeah, that's the business right there. And that then is. you have not only it's just like a whole sports realm. Right. We're covering all the bases. Like the only thing that we don't have is loser. What's the curdling? Like yeah. we're getting. We do too. have curling. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah because yeah. the championships were here. Yeah, I believe, the like, yeah, at the Orleans yeah. after they invited the, me out. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I tweeted about them and they said, "Come down, we want you to hang out and you can." They wanted me to get on the ice, but I'm a klutz. I'm a klutz. I would have fallen on my face. That would have been that. What about? I would have been worse. What if it was VGK? Yeah, maybe. uh, Maybe, maybe. And speaking of VGK, Game Seven tonight, San Jose Sharks or us? It has to be us. Uh, Who's us? Who's us? Who's us? Who's us? And I know I'm being biased. VGK. I have to be. Listen. Yeah, yeah, yes, but before you pipe in on that, I believe the Sharks are going to win because here's the thing. Martin Jones has stepped up his game. He had a franchise record 56 saves in his last game. And to save that many goals and get your percentage above that from where he was down in the dumpster fires in the early going is just amazing. And I think he's going to continue that at home. In a game seven, because all the fans are going to be out for the game. And for all the fans to be out in the game in San Jose, that's going to be a tough environment for VGK to win. And for that game, I don't think that Golden Knights are going to be able to keep it up. I've said all since the beginning, not in here, but uh, in public, that the Golden Knights are not going to keep up five goals a game or whatever it takes to win. They're just not going to do that, especially in San Jose. That's nothing we haven't done before. 
<laughs> okay? We are broadcasting I'm not getting, literally. Yeah, I'm not getting I'm not getting in the middle We're of this. We're broadcasting what 15 minutes away from the stadium. They can hear you. All right, so not that they're there. Now, not that they're there. Well, but the fans, fans are out. The, the fans, fans are, are outside. Yeah, they're yeah. at Toshiba. Yeah. We literally can't. My heart won't let me. I was outside last year <laughs> at the game, and we went home in the Stanley Cup Finals. We, who's we? The Golden Knights. I'm part. I can do it for the Knights. It's different. So I was out there watching, and, and I was I was alone. <laughs> <laughs> my heart was hurting yeah, like it hurts, right? watching that happen and i mean even if we don't even if we don't win which we will i'm so proud of them just for this to be their sophomore season and they make mm-hmm. it again yeah. they're a number 12 on um ratings as uh people going to the games and yeah. this is their second season 12 yeah, yeah and it's going to be the first year and first ever series that they're going to lose 3-1 yeah, we're just not gonna speak that into existence, Kaylin. Yeah, and so I think we should go break now, and then we'll be right back with talking more about the draft and who we think the Raiders are going to select. All right, we'll be right back with Spitting Silver and Black. Welcome back to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Yeah. I'm Kaylin Sokel, aka Mini Underscore Kyle Two, and I'm Anaya, aka Naya on Fire. Oh, me? Yes, yes. And I'm uh, at Tony Dasco, Tony Cardasco. A.K.A. A.K.A. Mike Check 1212. <laughs> A.K.A. Dasco on the mic 702. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> That's another copyright. <laughs> That's right. Okay, we, I just wanted to mention something else about the schedule. Um, the Raiders, they really did shuck it to them uh, because they only have three games back-to-back this uh 2019 regular mm-hmm. season and the rest of them are away away and they they don't even play their last game of the season at home they have two games after their last home game so mm-hmm. i mean i guess it's just gonna keep the anticipation up i'm ready for this honestly frankly i want to see this this season is like a test drive to me mm-hmm. test drive for the turf the las vegas stadium yeah, and they need to win now in order to hype up Las Vegas because after what the Golden Knights did, you know, they're in a win-now mode. Yes. We, it's a win-now city. And, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Aces was, like, they were the first season 15 and 20. Not bad for, like, a new a new season, new coach, new players, never played before. And they're only a hint at, you know, a trial run for an NBA team. Exactly. Because that's what the WNBA, team, WNBA is here for. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a brother running right up behind him. I mean, I maybe like I predict two years maybe after the race. Oh yeah. yeah, two years. Next year they'll be talking about it, and then two more years it'll be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably, they're probably already talking about behind the scenes, you know. Oh yeah, I mean they that link. One of the dumbest things I think that's on the strip is the link. Um, <laughs> they were talking about that for over ten years. Good. And then it just pops up and just goes in slow motion for twenty four hours and wastes a whole bunch of energy that we can. <laughs> And you haven't been on the Ferris wheel? I, I've been on it. The high roller? The big baller? They should have called it the big baller. <laughs> the big baller. <laughs> After LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, yeah, and LiAngelo. They would have trademarked it before him. So. Yeah. yeah, it's not that. I mean, it's cool if you're bored and you're not from here. You're like, oh, I want to see what else is there. Just lights. Do you know what? I had a meeting with uh, Caesars Palace once. And the executive said, it's a 30-minute meeting. Meet us at the high roller. Literally. I got on there. I had, like, my my notepad. And when that thing came back down around, doors opened. They were gone. But we had a 30-minute meeting, which I thought was genius. We had a meeting for 30 minutes, and that was it. This is all the time we have. And just, you know, make your pitch. What do you want to do? What are you pitching us? Whatever. But 30 minutes tops. And to, they, that's like the timer. Mm-hmm. It was the best meeting I've ever had. Yeah. Because you get right down to the brass tacks. You get down to business. Only in Vegas. Is that cool? You yeah. could only do that only in Vegas. Only in Vegas. Right? Yeah. What else could you do in 30 <laughs> minutes where it's timed out? You get to see the city. I, I wasn't gazing yeah. at the city, though. I was like <laughs> taking notes and throwing my pitch out. But there. it's a good yeah. environment, I'd say. Yeah, it's a great meeting environment. You mm-hmm. want to get out of the office, right? Yeah. Who wants to sit in the boardroom, <laughs> for crying out loud? 
Nice office space. There you go. But the the draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The draft is taking a place. What is it? The twenty third or twenty fifth? Yeah, or? it's uh, this Thursday, Thursday, which is the twenty fifth through the twenty seventh, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it begins at five o'clock Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on Thursday night. And so, with the Raiders having the most first round picks this year, the fourth, twenty fourth, and twenty seventh overall selections. Um, who do you think they would select? Because, you know, they picked up a couple running backs already this year in um, Isaiah Crowell. He only had one season under four yards a carry with 3.8 yards per carry. He's He was with the Browns. He's with He was Jets. with the Jets. Exactly, last year. And then this Our year teams, he's yeah. – Yeah, and, <laughs> and then uh, with the Raiders this year, picking him up by a cheap – one-year, $1 million contract, which is a steal for him. Come on, four yards to carry, $1 million? That I, I take a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, McGuire, but, you know, they sort of split sort of split the carries, two-thirds for Corral, a third for McGuire. And um, then you, they had A.B. already this year, Antonio Brown, in a trade, and they gave him, like, a th- – yeah, his contract is, like, three years, $50 million. Um, and they're paying him big money. That was one of the weaknesses last year. Derek Carr needed to throw the ball more. He had like ten. He had ten games last mm-hmm. year without an interception. And you know, for Carr to do that, that's great. And he just needed that deep threat in order to you know that legit number one receiver, which Amari Cooper never was in um, Oakland. And that's why they traded him. And then he never could really stay healthy, never really fit the mold of what John Gruen sort of wanted to do there. And they traded him for a first-round pick this year. And so who do you, who do you all think that they're going to select? You know, my little Tennessee twang in there. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say y'all? Okay, so y'all. it just depends because the dominoes could fall. Depends, first and foremost, who Arizona selects, right? Yes. So it looks like Kyler Murray. Um, everything is pointing towards Kyler Murray. The people that I've spoken to that I know in the media and such and some sources, I hate using that word sources, but people I know, people in the biz are all telling me it's Kyler Murray. So let's say Murray goes first, right? Well, he is going to go first. Okay, so he'll go first to Arizona. Uh, Second would be the Niners. And that would be Bosa, Nick Bosa. Are you sure after all those homophobic tweets, pornographic tweets, and yeah. all that past? Yeah, yeah but uh, he erased them, I guess. No, that, that makes yeah, it all. Hey, they're acting like that makes it all good, right? <laughs> so anyway, but you know, he's gonna he's gonna have to explain himself in the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna have a tough time because he also took a shot at Kaepernick, uh, just whatever else. Mm. But yeah, he had a bad Twitter game where he had no filter. And just was nobody knows what his motives were, but he's going to have to explain himself. And the first thing I think he'll say is, "I was immature at the time, whatever." And then so so Bosa too. I'm just going to say I think he's going to be he's going to fall down draft boards because of that because you know teams don't want that in the locker room, especially if a player they're going to take high because they're not. no team wants to take a flyer on or a lot of teams wouldn't want to take a flyer on such a chance with a high draft pick like that. I mean, he's going to be, produ- be productive in the NFL. People have said in the business that he's going to be more productive than his brother Joey Bosa, who just was franchise tagged with the Chargers. But, you know, who will want to take the chance? That, I mean, he's not a quarterback, but uh, still, he's one of the main players. The Niners will take him if he falls down. I, I'm. I'm almost convinced that they're going to take him, and they feel as though he's been in camp. You know, we had his 30-minute interviews where he went to camp, you know, uh, with the, uh, with both the Niners and the Raiders up there in Northern California. I, I really would be shocked if he didn't go number two or even the first pick if if for some reason they back off Somebody of Kyler. Somebody backs off Kyler. I mean, I think that the, uh, the biggest, you know, term that they're going to use is smoke here. It used to be smoke screen. But now, like you millennials, shorten everything. So with smoke, smoke. there's going to be some smoke here. Uh, so I think we're going to see, like, a lot of smoke in this draft. Um, and uh, you, nobody knows. That, like, teams are putting out, like, l- little tidbits of information. And, but it's all, it's all like, noise right now, right? Yes, it's all There's noise. so much noise it's, out there. And we won't know until the actual day. But to talk about smoke, I mean, Gruden just suspended You like all. that word, huh? I That's like a that. Word. That's smoke. the word, smoke. Um, people don't want any smoke. Um, <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Yeah. I just don't I say. The wave. I just yeah yeah. I just don't say it quite as 
as well as you. So yeah, because just, us millennials don't have that attention span, you know, say smokes, yeah, you know, listening to that, up. you know, we have to make everything three or five letters, you know, the shortest that they can Google. be. Shout out to Google, that's who did it. <laughs> and, amen. And shout out to hashtags. Hashtags yeah. and 140 characters. There you go. Um, I mean, Gruden just suspended half of the. Um, the, the scouts, staff, the yeah, scouts staff. That, that's the normal. Scouts. I mean, yeah. that's normal for NFL franchise to do that because they don't want their picks to leak out to the media, yeah. and that that's all for competitive purposes. And Mayak knows because he was in the media for cent, for decades, and he knows, he knows that who, who's going to be leaking those things, and you don't know what scout they're they're going to be. So you no, want you to know. keep you them in the, the building. Headline. You want to keep your guys in the building. You want to keep the people you know in the building. And plus with the new front office, you're going to keep the old scouts and you're going to replace them at the end of the year. So why even keep them in the building if they're going to move on? You want to have your guys, you want to know what you're going to do during the draft because you don't want anything to leak out to a potential rival or anyone else in the NFL. You want to keep your guys close to you and your inner circle in that draft war room because that's all for competitive. There's a trust issue there. Yes. I mean, it is. It's absolutely a trust issue, and coaches are paranoid. I see it. I've been around coaches my whole life, and they're just paranoid. And so, yeah, uh, in in that draft room anyway, so the scouts, their work is done, right? So they've gone out. They've evaluated all these players. They've traveled around to every pro day and camp and whatever. And so now all their work is done. They go back. They don't have any right to be in the in the war room, in the draft room. There's going to be four or five people, and that's it. You'll have the head of uh, player personnel. I think the attorney's going to be in there, uh, Gruden and Mayock, and that's it. That's mm-hmm. all you need. That's all you need, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I mean, like, it's going to happen so fast. And you know what they did with Mike Mayock, which I think is really cool? They went through and did, like, a mock draft, yeah. complete with phone calls and the whole nine. Mm-hmm. So they had a running clock with 10 minutes, and then in between as he's getting ready to make, all of a sudden, oh, there's a phone call. Hey, would you like to trade for so and so? Like they did the whole thing and just played it all out Pressure. because he's never been in that position before, mm-hmm. and no one knows what it's like, you know. And Gruden just said, "Don't blow it. Whatever you do," he said. <laughs> he said, "I had to tank a lot of games to get to this point. Don't blow it." That's exactly what he told him. Smart, phone. smart, you smart. Want... Very smart for, especially for a new general manager like that, yeah. someone who's never been in the front office before, and now being a general manager, you need really to get a little experience. You need to at least be a little strategic about it before you start. I mean, what if they're calling, hey, do you want Kyler or do you want Haskins? Like, what do you do in that? Right. You have to just make – and you have to make a snap decision. And they have uh, – Clutch. They have different boards, like, you know. uh, But, again, I think the key here, especially for the Raiders trying to rebuild, and they did a great job in drafting a year ago. Those players got a ton of repetitions on the field. I think the key for them is to continue to build their defense – and I think that they have to they have to stick to their plan once they're in that room. But see now the to me the best player that they could get, and you couldn't tell me this like a few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, but as I watched more film, read more, heard more, listened more, uh, the guy that you have to have if you're the Raiders is a defensive end, defensive tackle, I should say, Quinn and Williams, who can play outside. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy that attracts so much attention, he'll get double teamed. He can play inside. He can play, like, over the center. He can play outside the guard in a gap. He can play outside the tackle. It, like, the the thing that they're missing with the Raiders, right, guys, is any kind of edge pressure, any kind of edge pressure. Yeah. But you can create ed- edge pressure if you have a guy like Quinnen Williams who's just dis- – yes, exactly. He's a disruptor. So his push up the middle and then – it doesn't mean that you have to have a defensive end outside of that tackle. You can make things happen, uh, you know, with with a linebacker. You can bring a safety up. You can walk a safety up. You can come off the edge. You could do the corner blitz. So to me, all along, I was just of this thinking, I guess, early on, like, why do they need a defensive tackle? They need an edge rusher. But you can create that edge pressure in a variety of different ways. Now, what makes it interesting, right, mm-hmm. is that so – my favorite team growing up, the Jets, right? <laughs> and, of course, now I'm a Raider fan, and I want the Raiders to get Quinn and Williams. Fanboy. But, but the Jets but the Jets are really – they are now talking about Quinn. drafting Quinn and 
Williams. Somebody so they want to get they want to get Q. I feel as though I can't lose, but I want <laughs> Quinn and Williams to be on the Raiders, maybe because for selfish reasons I want them to be good here. Yeah. They got to be good when they move exactly. here. Exactly, they have right? to be. The Golden Knights set the standard for that in year one, and in fact, in college. Quinn Williams grayed out, out as uh, Pro Football Focus's ni- 96, which was the highest. Wasn't that the highest? Gra- gra- highest grade in league. Yeah. Highest yeah. graded, exactly, yeah. in both run and pass rusher. And, you know, and that was at the combine, you know. Yeah, that, for sure. that He's a great person. They never he's a cool guy. Thought, exactly. I've you, seen really the, cool. the profiles. Yeah. yeah. He lost his mom when he was uh, very young, very tight with his family. Uh, he's been a mentor to his sister, his younger sister. Uh, he's just been an exceptional role model. Like mm-hmm. they have no character issues whatsoever. And he's a young man that just is like, he's taken on all this responsibility at a young age, but he works so hard. And he's like, hey, I played for Alabama. That's a pro system. I played against other pros like every week. And look at what I did. And he's right. Mm-hmm. He's going to face a lot of these guys on the next level as well. He is he's something else and he's well rounded, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I like that about players too. Because yeah. uh you I think you have to be smart and intelligent on the field, but you also have to be good off the off field. field. You do. Person. You have to carry yourself very well. Mm-hmm. And I think, hey, look at this. I mean, think about this, guys. Next season, if Q is uh, you know, a member of the Raiders, right, in another year, uh, you're gonna want guys that you know you're not gonna have any troubles with in Las Vegas. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, I never thought of it in those terms, but you want a good character guy who's going to come here. So it's going to be between the Jets and the Raiders and the Jets are looking at Josh Allen, uh, perhaps at Oliver, who I said back in September, I thought would be a Raider. For some reason, I was like, this guy could fit the mold, well, but he, he might at- fall down and he might become a Raider. If you're the Raiders, you know what? Trade something else later. You, you need to move up ahead of the Jets or find out what they're going to do. And you have to get Quinn and Williams at all costs. This is like, I think it's so important for them to get Quinn and Williams uh, for the future of the franchise. At, at I Gruden, do. I hope you're listening to Tony. Yeah, make sure. Whatever cost, <laughs> put it on Anaya's bill. <laughs> <laughs> and then bill me back. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I I have a feeling that Quinn Williams is going to go in the top three. I mean, the Raiders should select him. They'd be smart to. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think they're going going to go more like after edge rusher or I'm in that mold like a Josh Allen. I yeah. I've had this feeling ever since Josh Allen sort of uh, moved up the draft boards that he would become a Raider or at least land in top five because his explosiveness off the edge is something else against Vanderbilt's quarterback. He was abs- against Vanderbilt. He was totally dominant against uh-huh. SEC top opponents. He was totally dominant. He was one of the reasons they were actually ranked this past year. And Kentucky football is, you know, never in the top twenty-five. They're one of the lowest of low teams in college football as a whole. Right? How rare is it for someone like, uh, like a Josh Allen, who could have come out after his junior season? He goes back to school, and he had all these goals in mind. So. You know, he had uh, different NFL scouts and uh, went to camps and whatever, and they told him what he needed to improve on, and he did just that. He did everything that they asked for and then some. So he needs to be rewarded too. But I just think within the scheme, within Paul Gunther's scheme with the Raiders, I just really believe that Quint, uh, that Q Williams, obviously, mm-hmm. I call him Q, like Q Dog. Yeah, you guys know each other. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> but it'd be great to have Quinn and Williams here. It would be so cool, I think, yeah. to have him in Vegas. He'd probably be a great radio personality for you know everyone involved. Yeah, there you go. Speaking in the later rounds, with the other first round picks, you know they also need some defensive back help because you know the defense was ranked twenty sixth in the league. You know, you definitely need some defensive back help. So you know, Byron Murphy, Byron might Murphy, be someone you yeah. want to look out for. He ran four five five forty. Um, he has long speed. Um, DeAndre Baker. Corner. DeAndre, what about him from uh, Georgia? He, he's defensive a, he, back. He's a he's a good he's a good stud. And then, but I really think I have seen Brian Murphy's name a lot in mock drafts uh-huh. at the twenty around the twenty fourth pick. And I think that would be a really good wise selection for Raiders because you know five eleven, um, thirty and one eighth inch arms, eight and seven inch hands. I mean, he's missed a lot of games in college. But um, his composite spark score 
score was the 32nd percentile of NFL DBs, which is not good. But what really stood out to all the scouts at the Combine, according to uh, numerous scouts, was that um, his positional drills at the Combine was something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? At that pick, um, if you're going to go also with somebody, a defensive back, I put down uh, I put down to take a look at uh, Justin Lane from Michigan State, physical guy, 6'2", and a cornerback, a cornerback at 6'2". Imagine that, right? And he's big and physical, and they need that. Uh, John Gruden likes running backs. In the past, Mm -hmm. he has drafted running backs. There's one running back in the entire first round. That's all. I mean, it's not a season where you're going to get drafted if you're a running back. And um, the only guy is Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Uh, who's very physical, the straight-ahead runner, downhill, and I think, you know, that the Raiders are like him. But here you go. Here's This would be my wild card. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Raiders, you know what? I don't care about defense, whatever. I mean, the NFL offenses are so far advanced now that are there any really good, other than, you know, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, <laughs> do yeah. you really see, like, uh, you know. Great offense. Uh, just a great defense. Great defense. Cause, yeah, because, right, you never see that. So why not just load up on offense and go with DK Metcalf, who's got like he's a stud. He's he's, he's bigger build. than anyone else. He's got he's got. I was gonna say a six pack. That doesn't give him justice. <laughs> it's probably like a twenty pack. John Gruden saw him, you know, working out mm-hmm. um, at the uh, the Senior Bowl, and he said that guy makes me want to work out. Like he had his shirt off. He goes, he just want, makes you want to work out. Mm-hmm. But he's a physical specimen. He's about six five, six six. You line him up, you have the rest of that receiving core. With Antonio Brown? Oh, my Ooh. goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, they got that Williams guy from uh, from San Diego. And, I mean, then you're, I, then you're talking. I mean, that that offense will not be stopped, seriously. I mean, it's a defensive You have to outscore. Yeah. You know, the, that's it. You have to score points. Mm-hmm. And the, the Raiders did not put a lot of points on the board. Open it up. Yeah. This might be the way to do it. Yes. Yeah, and talking about other receiving options as well, you also might want a tight end because Jared yes. Cook left, and right. he was one of the leaders mm-hmm. on that team. He was one of the veteran leaders on the team who people could trust, and he performed on the field. Always... So one of the guys you might want to look at on the field in, in the draft is Noah Fount. Noah Fount. And um, I know he fits Belichick's mold. Belichick brought him in for a visit in uh, mid-April, and um, he had 102 receptions. Uh, actually, the, uh, that was Luke Wilson, but um, Noah Font is, like, very physical. He fits the mold that Jared Cook was. He's He is a pass catcher, and he fits the exact mold that almost Jared Cook played for the Raiders. And perfect fit, you know, swap out one for a little maybe cheaper option and a younger option that can lead you in years. And if you get, you know, the guy, uh, DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf, and then you get – um, Noah Fant, and then you also have AB. Imagine that trio of uh, receiving core. <laughs> we were talking about TJ Hawkinson a few episodes ago yeah. for a tight end, and I mean, he's his hands, he's fast, right? And he's like a really, really good. He's running and blocking as a tight end is really good. Yeah, so his stock has really gone up. Mm-hmm. He's uh, in the green. This is going to be crazy because they should, if they had a contest to pick the entire first round, it'd be like, you know, picking, you know, an NC2A tournament bracket because oh, yeah. you could never get it correct. Uh, not with this year, mm-hmm. the way that the draft is going to fall. You know, the trades, they're going to have, you know, what do we have? Five or six trades last year on draft day. Uh, there's there's some good tight ends. I mean, this is the year, however, of the defensive linemen. This mm-hmm. is we're going to see more defensive linemen, and then uh, the Southeastern Conference could break its own record with the number of players that are drafted uh, over the course of, of the draft, uh, and it's going to be what in the 40s or 50s, I'd imagine, players mm-hmm. that are drafted from one conference, from one conference, right? Yeah. And the Southeastern Conference is where to go because. You know, you, you're playing, you know, let's just take Alabama. I mean, pro-style offense, go. right? You're play, like, you know, other schools like Ole Miss and Mississippi State and, you know, Auburn. Like, there's so much talent there, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're going to see that conference is just, uh, even in the first round, you know, um, 
with all the edge rushers that are out there and and what have you it's going to be it's going to be like it's going to be pretty much dominated by the southeastern conference all the names that you guys named were above 10th place in rank yeah yeah and i'm going to name someone right now outside of the top 10 in rank hunter renfro from clemson uh he's a wide out and he's won two national titles in three years with clemson and Mm -hmm. clemson you know they're he's he played a big role. He's always been underrated, and he he's a very good route runner. But what people are worried about is his size of 5'11", 185. But, you know, he fits that Jeremy Curley role that I know NFL and among other networks and people have compared him to because, you know, I mean, Curley, come on, he's 5'9", 188, and he amassed 270 receptions, th- over 3,100 yards with 13 touchdowns and 98 career games with the Jets, Niners, and Bills. But, you know, I, I can see Hunter Renfro being a late-round flyer by the Raiders more for, like, depth purposes as they have gone after in this free agency. And, you know, he would be a nice little late pickup because he knows how to win. He's been around winners, and he's also been coached by the best in co- one of the best in college football, Dab- Dabo Swinney mm-hmm. at um, Clemson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going – I think he could be a good late-on flyer for – the Raiders. Do you have anyone, Dasco? Oh man, do I have any like surprise picks? Any late round flyers? A late round flyer. Um, I don't know. Where's that guy, Greg Little? Where's he from again? Um, he is a an offensive lineman. If you're looking for an O lineman, Greg Little. Um, in 2100 snaps, he's allowed. Ole Miss. He is from the SEC. That's what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah, so he's the offensive tackle from Ole Miss. Thanks, Anaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 2,100 snaps over three seasons that he started, he's only allowed six sacks. And look at who he's playing against, those monsters from the Southeastern Conference. So if this guy, he's an absolute steal in round number two. And maybe if he falls through for some reason. Just again, there's so many linemen. I think that what's going to happen is teams are going to forget. They're going to forget about yeah. a lot of players that are still out there. You're going to see yeah. some names late in the first round, and you're going to go. And that's where the that's where the Raiders could yeah. really, you scoop know, they could just scoop them up, right? He's ranked and if they don't want to go, if they don't want to go on, he's ranked third, right? Third on offensive lineman, right? Yeah, nationally at third. Yeah, number three, right? Yeah, but I looked through, you know, all of the the pre-draft uh, mock drafts and everything else. And I don't see him in the first round. No. I don't see him at all. But you know, the the Raiders could also if the they Raiders don't go offense, offensive line. But if they don't go but if they don't go offense, right? They could still load up on defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. They could still like load up on young players on the defensive line. They can't the, lose. We need a they backup can't to lose. the backup to the backup. They back can't up. lose, but they have to. It all it all's going to start with Quinn and Williams. Mm-hmm. They can't lose in this draft unless they let him get away. That's the yeah. catch. Whatever it's going to take, and if they have to give up one or two other draft picks, I say do it. I think I just think he's that much of a difference maker, and you'll have him and Mo Hurst on the defensive line. You'll have Arden Key still coming off the edge, and then build it through free agency, uh, build it through competition. Again, figure figure things out. But that's a guy that could play all the way down the offensive line. So are you both? Yeah, and four? and there would be a good pickup for the Raiders because you know the offensive line was like terrible this last year. And, you know, just just help them build up. And, you know, Mayock's a good general manager, and he's well-respected around the league, as, you know, we have all seen throughout a couple months that he's been with the Raiders. He's he's done things like, you know, some things out of the box, but he's mostly stand track with others have done. So are you guys for the Raiders drafting a quarterback or no? Oh, no. 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 They, yeah. they don't need one. Carr, come on, he, he went 10 games without an interception. One game, he had three interceptions. Against the Browns, he had two. But he still won that game. That was his only multiple interception game that he mm-hmm. actually won. Okay, but let's just say Arizona does not take Murray. John Gruden has said that he really likes this guy, thinks he's very athletic. Worked out with him. You know, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He said 5-10 and one eighth. He threw in the one eighth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter anymore. They're, like there is no standard or prototypical size, I guess, in the NFL anymore. 
either you're athletic and you're good or fast or whatever, or you're not, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not deterred by uh, Murray being shorter, shorter than than you know than yeah, we, we even thought. But he's raved about him as well, and so yeah. like you know that's where the confusion starts to that's lie. What I'm saying. And, and like so, Quinn and Williams goes ahead, and all of a sudden he starts salivating. And Gruden likes offense, and <laughs> like, oh, seriously, I, I mean, everything depends on the number one pick. It's all dependent mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Everybody's then, game, right? Because then you know, so then let's say Bosa goes first. With number two, what do the Niners do? They're going to have to go after Josh Allen, or they're going to have to go after Quinn and Williams, and then the Jets, and it just starts this domino effect all the way down. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne man. Haskins is a great quarterback. He's an Six, unbelievable five? quarterback. I believe he was like two thirty. Yeah, hey, he was. He, and he, he threw fifty touchdowns last it, year. People I believe forget. that was like a Big Ten record, wasn't it? Yeah, they forget how good you know he really is. Yeah. But his stock is starting to slip because, again, like it's you have beginning. to fulfill your yeah you know you have to fulfill the need and you also have to go after the best available. And those are the two rules of thumb. Any of the Raiders go out to the best available, they'll have to pick up Quinn Williams. They got to get him. They yeah. have to get him, right? It I only mean, makes I mean, sense. I mean, how how can they not? I mean, he shot a draft for the Rock and he stayed there. And there's right. reasons why right. he but now there. The, but now the Jets, who were on Josh Allen originally, uh, they went to Ed Oliver. They went to Quinn and Williams. Just smoke. They're back. It could be smoke, okay? But, you know, it could be Ed Oliver. I think Ed Oliver is... I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's a little bit underrated, and his stock fell a little bit because he didn't want to play in the bowl game because he got into a an argument with his head coach, you know, on the sidelines because he was wearing a coat and you're not supposed to, and whatever the rules are. Um, but in the combine, you know, he showed out. He played really well, you know, in during the season when he was on the field. He's dominant. He's an All-American, and. They forgot about him, and now he has to build his way back up. So Ed Oliver could be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Man, it's will, it, it's going to be crazy there, yeah. you know, right out, outside of yeah, – I mean, coming down to the top pick, right? I'd have to say Murray goes first, so I do. I do. And then yeah. uh, and then Bosa, too. And then after that, who knows? Yeah, and Ed Oliver, actually, at one time last year before the season started, he was projected as number one overall pick, then Bosa took him over. Right, and that was by me. I projected <laughs> number one. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one quick break, and we're going to come back with our greater Raider. You're listening to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Network. on SB Nation. Welcome back to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB, SB Nation. Nation. All right, so one of my favorite segments is the greater Raider. Um, normally, I do this in a British accent, but I'm not going to do it today. Oh, come on, Naya. Literally. Okay. I guess I'll do it for Kaylin. It's my cousin Paula back today. Um, my great orator. <laughs> oh, sorry, Tony. You didn't even say. Didn't say your, your name. You know, you didn't. You have to give your little soundbite. Dasco, Fantasco. Dasco, Fantasco. No, no. It's Dasco's fiascos. I like that. That sounds like a place. That sounds like. Are a, we getting ready for the Raider us. game against the Bears already? <laughs> What's going on here? I think we are. Yeah. Yes, yes, I'll be there in London pretty soon. So my great orator for this episode is Kingston's finest, silver and black owned, Nevin Lawson. He comes from Kingston, Jamaica, and his birthday is today, April 23rd. He's a cornerback. He was drafted in 2014 by the Detroit Lions, and he has 172 tackles. And he is the newest member to, of Silver and Black. So we got to give it up for Mr. Lawson, and we can't wait to see you play here in the Las Vegas Stadium. Yeah, and my great reader today is to hear Whitehead because on Monday, yesterday, he actually uh, – the Raiders retweeted him and said Monday motivation because he's talking about the upcoming draft in a tweet and everything, and it's good for a Raider to give this to a player and say give him emotion and help him, you know, hype him up for the draft and everything. And he said there will be people in this world who will hate you for no reason or just because they're told, taught to. Just got to keep it pushing and stay away from the negative vibes. You know, that, that's going to help the players because if they – 
you know, fall down the draft boards. There's negative vibes in them, and they just had to push through and get to the top. And that's really nice of and really good to hear Whitehead to do that, and really nice of the Raiders, a first-class organization, to retweet him like that. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I'll just jump in there. Oh, is it my turn? Yes, yeah. it's on you. Okay. Uh, what about Marcel Aitman? I like him uh, out of Oklahoma State. He's what now? Uh, he'll be in his second year. Last mm-hmm. year was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Uh, great learning experience. But now that you have um, you have Tyrell Williams, mm-hmm. you have A.B., right? Um, hopefully they'll get Metcalf. <laughs> no, I mean, as a wide receiver, I think this is his time to shine, right, this upcoming season. So I just, you know, I'm looking ahead here uh, at, at a potential, you know, major contributor, right, for the – for the Raiders this year. I think he's going to have a standout season and he'll he's going to break out because he's got so much talent. Ryan mm-hmm. Grant is now, you know, another wide receiver, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, that they signed through free agency and there's a guy that no one's going to pay attention to. You line him up in the slot and just let him go. He's fast. He can catch. Mm-hmm. Marcel Aitman. Is that did I play that the right way? Yeah, you, you did. did. It was a great job. You did. It's a yeah. double, a double greater yeah. Raiders, plural. Yeah, good. I did. Who do you think you are? Yeah, good job. That's that fiasco. Who is this guy? Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. I'm so, ready for London now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. We going to Tottenham Stadium? Let's go. I, I'll be there. Not. <laughs> One of my friends is going, and so I'm a little upset. Oh wow. So um, this wraps up our. Uh, eighth edition of Spit and Silver and Black. Who's counting? On the Silver and Black. Exactly. <laughs> on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. On Estimation. I'm Kaylin Sakel, a.k.a. Mini underscore Kyle 2. I'm Anaya, a.k.a. Naya Faya. And it's been a pleasure, Tony. Truly a pleasure. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having me. At uh, Tony Dasco on Twitter. And one final plug. Plug. Okay, so Thursday night, if you're in Vegas, this Thursday, draft night, we will be at Born and Raised on Cimarron. We're going to do a four-hour live draft broadcast. Well, then. So Thanks this is the nothing. Plug. This is a sprint, man. And thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so on. much. You guys are dope. Oh, the Raiders are coming. To Las Vegas. You are listening to Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. <laughs> <laughs>